John's the uh, John's definitely the more sociable half of this podcast. Hey, you know, it, I, I'm not saying I'm more sociable. I just like people that I can approach and talk to. You know, like I met the Bob the Ang- the guy who draws the Bob the Angry Flower comic and bought one off of him. And uh, yeah, that, I find his uh, I find his strips to be um, well comical and sarcastic, which I like. Anyway, but we're not talking about that. Uh, we can still keep talking about because I mean it's still Comic Con. Sure. What, I mean, it's like we like we like we we did the Comic Con for a whole day on Friday, and then I stuck around for half a day on Saturday. Yeah. And um, you know, it's like it's fun and all. I bought a ton of shit, but as I said on the on my on the blog, it's like you know, it's more fun than fun of me. No. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I have a lot more fun at Phantom, Phantom A, and it's, um, you know, I mean, I love San Diego, I, I love comics, I love everything that they have there, um, but it's not the same experience. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, Comic-Con has gotten more... Uh, okay, audience, I'm just going to let you know. The last time I went to Comic-Con was over a decade ago. And, it, and even, you know, maybe even 12 years ago, okay? And it was a different con for sure back then. And it's worth noting that, hey, it took, took free tickets to get you to come this year. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there were a lot of neat things to see, a lot of cool, you know, things to, uh, you know, there. Um, and, and the panel we went to uh, that on Friday was interesting, you know, with Paul Dini and the rest of them. Um, although it wasn't about Paul Dini, it was about how uh, comics influenced Hollywood, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and you got a lot more out of that pa- that panel than I did. Mm-hmm, yeah, but I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you were, you were paying attention, and I was reading Thor: The Last Days of Midgard. Yeah, which was yeah, I noticed that, and I and which is more amazing because I was I had forgotten my sunglasses at uh, at Dick's Last Resort. No, my not my sunglasses, my regular glasses. So I was sitting there watching the panel uh, with my prescription sunglasses on, which looking like, like the coolest guy in the room. Oh, I did, but I was like, I was either gonna you know feign blindness or I was going to you know go crazy. You know, I tried taking them off a couple of times, but. You know, I, I need them to see, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was interesting, you know, nonetheless. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I'm looking forward to uh, visiting again next year, you know, for whatever duration of time that I uh, will be visiting. Uh, well, the good news is that our press like our press status basically is good for two years before we have to renew. So we're good. We're sold for next year. But for, 20, for 2017, then we'll have to actually um, put go through the process again ah excellent excellent yeah um there are many different types of registration like professional and press and whatnot so i noticed a lot of people uh you know just hanging out but uh it looks like you know a lot of people there did have a good time so i'm glad for them and i'm glad for me i'm glad i went down there and you know and all that other stuff and uh you know uh, cool. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, I never did wander over to Hall H. I'm gonna just say I, I haven't been to Hall H in what I think four or five years now. Yeah. So you know, cause I, fuck that noise. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. That's probably the one place I. You know. I just like I said, I had fun. Oh, I bought another Flux game. I don't know if I told you that or not, but uh, you know, um, I have other flux games like zombie flux and i found their booth there 
Um, and they had a Flux game that I just had to pick up. So. Better than Zombie Flux? No, 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 no. By, by all means, no. This is more like um, anything else. That, this is an Adventure Time Flux. Ah. Oh, so they're going, they're going the license route then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, which is but cool. they've been going the license route, because I remember they had Monty Python Flux back when, back, back when we were really into it. Which I still have it. <laughs> I still have and And, you know, it has its own charm and everything else, and I, you know, I got a chance to talk with the people there at the booth. and um, But, you know, it was more of a, a novelty for me than anything else, you know. I can play that with the kid, the kiddies. They love Adventure Time. I admit I have a like for it myself. Um... But, um, yeah, and uh, you know what's interesting is, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, just kind of like to slide slightly left of the topic here, um, Will Wheaton has that uh, little show called Tabletop. Have you heard yes. of it? Yeah, he does, yeah. like, talk about board games. Yeah, board games. Well, in one episode, he talks about Flux. You know, he's playing Flux. It's Felicia Day and... And uh, Alex Albright, who was a, he was the other half of the Dignation podcast. Um, and you know what? You know which one that they're playing? They're playing Star Flux. Which, ah. which I'd never seen before until I watched that show the other day. And it was on, uh, it's free on uh, Amazon Prime streaming. Anyway. I was like, oh, I see. They've borrowed all the Star Trek conventions and they put them in a game. They don't call them Star Trek, but they're basically Star Trek. So, you know, so like the expendable. They red filed shirts. the serial numbers off. Y- yeah, more or less. Like the expendable, expendable crew member is wearing a red shirt. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, you can see what you're doing there. Exactly, exactly. Although some of those, I might just, you know, I haven't watched all of them. There's some there that are really some of those tabletop games that you know look really, really interesting. So, um, outside of some of the classics. Anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, Comic Con was fun, so um, uh, I picked up that uh, with great power documentary, um, which is the Stanley documentary, and it was cool. So. Sweet. And if you ever get around to releasing these um, pre-podcast talks, then everyone will know all about them. Absolutely. And so what do you have on tap for us tonight, sir? Okay, I have my uh, full series recap for Brian Wood's The Massive. Um, this is a series that launched with very high expectations for me and from the rest of the industry and pretty much almost consistently failed to meet that, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Because let me flash back to um, when the series um, first launched back in, oh, let me check the uh, like like the publication date here. Okay, first volume ha- has a publication date of 2012, so we're looking at like 2012-2011 for the series. And this is, and here, let me put this in perspective. Um, Wood had just come off of um, off of um, DMZ, which, if you'll recall, it's like was my favorite um, con- favorite um, comic book for um, I think 2012 actually, and um, it was just like a fantastic read, a great look at um, you know America as a war- as like a war zone, and you know just like a great metaphor for the um, war on terror and the um, war in Iraq as well. It's like you know after this, you know Wood was pe- poised to hit the big time, big time, you know com- commercially. I mean, he was he had several. Several titles work from in the works from Marvel, from the um, Ultimate X Men to Adjectiveless X Men, to um, work to the uh, Star to the Star Wars title from Dark Horse to working on Conan at Dark Horse as well, 
and his new creator-owned title, The Massive, which, you know, hey, by all, you know, standards of logic for the comics, comics world, you know, should have been the best out of all these titles. But, no, it's like, I'm, I mean, I like his, um, ultimate X, his Ultimate X-Men work was, was really quite good, and I kind of wish that he had seen the series um, through to its, um, through its end um, in, like, in the Marvel, in the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Um, ultimate, I mean, regular X-Men kind of petered out for me after, after only two volumes. Um, his Star Wars work was, was quite good, as was Conan as well. But the Massive, for the majority of its run, remained a series that kind of like, um, failed to live up to its potential. And it had great potential when it launched. Basically, the story of a um, let's see, an environmentalist group called the Ninth Wave, um, who who were faced with the um, basically their worst nightmare come true. The um, it's like the event known as the Crash, where um, every where it's like not an apocalyptic event, but a cataclysmic event that basically destroyed societal order. Um, we're talking um, superstorms that raised entire entire islands, mass death mass death of, of, um, of marine wildlife, um, like seismic events that um, totaled um, offshore oil oil platforms. Just basically every, um, every worst case environmental scenario come true and t- then um, stretched out over the course of a year. Now ninth, now, ninth wave was the kind of group that was that was um, founded to um, you know bring awareness to like you know hey, this is like the worst case scenario. But you know what happens when the worst case scenario happens? The world goes on, and what do you do after that? Um, in the case of um, the crew of the Capitol and its um, captain um, Callum Israel, um, you kind of don't do a whole heck of a lot. You kind of look for your um, your major your big sister ship, the Massive title ship, of course, and found out what happened to that after it disappeared um, during the events of the crash. Now, if you've been reading my blog posts for the series, um, it's like over the course of, like, since the um, first volume was published, you'll know that I believe that um, the massive suffers because it's, like, because it plays out as the uh, ser- as a series that um, it's basically the back half of the series we never got to see the first half of. I, I I'm after reading all five volumes, including the final volume, Ragnarok, I, I am still firmly of the belief that we should that um, Wood should have started the series with the crash itself, showing that showing the um, the crew um, how they react to the crash, showing this showing these um, great cataclysmic, cataclysmic events as they happen, and just putting us in the thick of it, as opposed to just, you know recapping it in you know effective informative panels that you know just that tell more than, more than they show, actually. I mean, it's... I mean, and there's been some... There have been some interesting stories here. I mean, I liked um, the world-building um, um, Wood did in the back half of the first volume, showing you how um, Cal- Callum is just, like, you know, committed to his pacifist beliefs, while um, his um, first mate, um, Mag Nagendra, um, is not as... not quite as much. And um, then there's Mary, who is kind of the huge huge problem with this series because you know here's because you know it's one thing to start a series with it that basically um like encapsulates like the worst case scenario for environmentalists it's another to throw in a huge science fiction element involving a a person who has basically been kind of you know um with the earth since the um the dawn of life on our planet and showing and having her being a major character here, I'm talking, of course, of Mary, 
and it's like, oh man, it's like you. This is not um, what I was when I signed on with this. Cause you read this first volume, and um, you read the second volume, and you're convinced that you know, and you're, and, and it's, and Wood kind of like, you know sells the idea that you know, hey, this is like you know a fairly um, straightforward, um, you know, it's not necessarily hard science fiction, but the kind of science fiction that you know these base is based in plausible reality. And uh, but then to throw in this huge um, science science fiction fantasy element, with um, with Mary being this like this part of this um, these other these these alien beings that you know have been part of the Earth for, for like since ta- since um, life life began, and then to find out that you know hey Earth, human humanity's involvement has kind of like wrecked um, their their time on there and they've got to go, that just doesn't work and that's that's the thing with Ragnarok I mean yeah I'm I mentioned in um the previous volume of Sahara that um that Wood is at least committed to this idea but it still feels hugely misguided in the course of the series um that in that we were led to expect from the beginning there have been lots of interesting stories from the um, tale of um Moksha the um the rigs the rig city from volume Volume Two, um, Callum's um, fight with Borg's Bergson, uh, the, the Whaler in in uh, Volume Three, that where we find find out we get to see um, Ninth Wave actually trying to do to stick to their um, original original plan, like of um, like environmentalism and fighting against whalers. But um, all this stuff means like it's basically like a a, a, a portion of a of a um, cast and crew on the decline. But you're breaking up. Breaking all these characters down without having shown shown us shown us shown us them at their best. So it's kind of like it's really so it's really depressing, kind of a, a bummer read, but still like interesting uh, interesting in fits and spurts. And um, Ragnarok, the final volume. Well, yeah, we do they do find the massive, of course, but you know it's like it also turns out to be part of Mary's massive master plan for getting everyone to um survive this these uh, these events and um li- and um you know live explore and um establish this new world as she and her people um depart it in um violent and epic fashion um the ragnarok the final volume ragnarok does not um really redeem the series or make me con- convinced that you know Adding this fantastic science fiction element um, was a good idea in the first place. Um, but that, that being said, you know, I read the first four volumes. I wasn't just going to say, "Oh, fuck this," and um, not read volume five. No, it's like it's you know, it's like, and even then, like it has some in- interesting bits, you know, from 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 Callum, you know, dealing with um, mortality and fatherhood at the exact same time. Mag finally coming to terms with um, Mary. With um, the relationship that uh, Mary has with with Callum, it's like and um, Lars and um, Ryan, um, you know, finally, um, you know, committing, like, or at least Lars finally confessing to himself, confessing to Ryan that you know, hey, it's like I love you, and um, Ryan going, yeah, your timing sucks because like you know, all the satellites in the on the Earth are falling out of the sky as you're saying this. So yeah, there's some there's some good parts here, and that's kind of like, it kind of it's kind of like that's a, it's a good metaphor for the series. Of, series as a whole a lot of interesting bits bits and pieces um like wrapped in like a less satisfying whole the uh 
the whole is not more than the sum of its parts in this case. And, you know, that's kind of disappointing because, you know, um, DMZ, thoroughly fast, thoroughly fascinating and, entertain, and entertaining overall. And, you know, conventional industry, industry wisdom that, you know, a creator's, um, creator-owned titles are going to be um, leaps and bounds better than their um, for-hire work. That hasn't been true with um, Wood on the Massive. I've enjoyed his Star Wars work and Conan stuff uh, more than the Massive, uh, really. But, you know, he still remains an, an interesting writer to me, and I'm going to um, follow his um, next series, um, Rebels, which is about the um, like the Revolutionary War told from a um, you know, grunt side perspective. So I'm interested in seeing that. And he's also got... Um, and that um, Eve Valkyrie seri- miniseries of Dark Horse which ties into the um, MMO as well. So that, that's interesting. And, um, uh, oh, he's got that um, series Starve for Image, which is about um, celebrity chefs um, in the future, and one guy um, come back to um, show everyone like, exactly how it's done. So, yeah, he's got a lot of interesting stuff on the horizon, but the massive, ultimately, with Volume 5 Ragnarok, not as good as it should have been. Not bad, per se, but um, a wrong-headed approach to some potentially fascinating material. That being said, um, it was announced out of Comic-Con that um, Wood is prepping a series of Dark Horse called Ninth Wave, which is the name of um, Israel's um, environmentalist group. So it sounds like we're going to be getting a like um, I don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe six issues. That's how these long things usually run. But we're going to get the uh, prequel to show just how um, you know, what um, Israel and his crew were up to, you know, prior to um, the crash and um, the, it's like and all these um, cataclysmic events. So it's not the uh, first ha- first half of the series I was expecting, but it. But who knows? Maybe it will redeem the series to a certain extent, um, once, once all is said and done. It can only, I can only hope, but um, we won't find out until sometime in 2016, at least if that's when the uh, collected edition is coming. So, John, um, I don't know. Any thoughts from your end about all this? Oh, not particularly at this point. Didn't, like, um... This whole like environmentalists um, like find their cause with like this crazy ass um, science fiction element didn't grab you at all, did it? Um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> um, you can just, you can say no, it's cool. No, <laughs> well, I, if I hadn't already seen that in several other things, then maybe it would be. But uh, you know, it's um, what's the word? Um trope i've seen before (laughs) so yeah it didn't really grab me so no offense fair enough yeah so what do you have on tap for us next time okay well like as i was talking to john beforehand um we're probably gonna be doing a like an an interregnum prod podcast next week because i need to um clear up my fucking backlist because uh, in addition to all the shit i got at comic-con i got even more shit um coming in um like like we go um, week in and week out. So next week may just be a uh, will likely be just a uh, a big recap of all the image stuff that I've got um, in my um, to review pile. And week after week after that, you know, assuming um, our schedules allow, um, will be my thoughts on the uh, final two volumes of Fables 
which um, is reaching its end after 20, 20 volumes, and a very special final volume that doubles as the 150th issue as well. All right, and then we'll see you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. Laters. All right, bye.